you mind telling me a little bit about your rap career, Father? <laughs> Why didn't I see this coming? <laughs> that was the entire reason. <laughs> um, this is a episode of Mind Find the Madness, where we talk to those that lead VC and what makes this school tick. Our guest today with Father Felix Min, uh, the chaplain here at VC. VC. And let me just say, I am so ex- always so excited to have uh, talk to Father Felix, just because he's awesome. He's just great. I love him. He's wonderful. Um, so, um, without further ado, let's get started. All right. Uh, perfect. So, hello, hi, Father. How are you today? Good. How are you, David? Good. good, good. good um, and you. my name is David, and here we have... Matthew. Matthew. Yep. All right. And today we are interviewing... Uh, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, of course. I am Father Felix Min. I'm the chaplain of Vancouver College. Go Collegians, go! Yeah. Woohoo! So today, I guess we're just get, uh, we're going to be asking you a lot of questions about like faith related, um, maybe like um, faith in the modern day, sure. how you see it. Mm-hmm. So, I guess just to start it off, what inspired you to just begin your faith journey? <sighs> hmm. Well. I guess the initial inspiration really came from seeing another priest. There was a really close friend priest that I used to know, and he was a huge inspiration for me. But that was kind of the initial kind of my inspiration to become a priest. And then later on, I came to realize, you know, through through my work after school and whatnot, and trying to achieve some things in, in my own career and whatnot, I just found everything to be so empty and kind of very dry. So I, I wasn't really finding happiness, happiness that I was looking for. So I started praying about what should I do. And I, so I brought it to prayer. And that's when I felt a strong call to you know, serve others, uh, to really reach out to others through the sacraments, through the liturgical celebration. And I had a strong desire to become a priest. All right. Interesting. Um, would you say that's the same thing that inspires you today? Is there any like specific spe- people that inspire you today? Yeah, I think so. Uh, a lot of the priests, uh, the, uh, a lot of the senior priests that are in the diocese and throughout the whole world, just by seeing them being faithful to the call that they've responded, uh, they are really kind of the real um, inspiration for me still. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These days, there are so many different ideas of what Christianity is mm-hmm. and what it should be. Do you believe that there is just one all-encompassing truth? And what is it? So, yeah, understanding of Christianity nowadays has become very relative to so many people with different cultural backgrounds. But I have to say, um, you know, what the, uh, the truth that is presented um, as it should be, you know, how... Uh, the Roman Catholic Church has received from Jesus through its tradi- uh, tradition and through the authority of the church, that has to be communicated as it is without any um, change you know, in, in them. And I think it's very important for, our, for, for the people to really hear from the church first before they make any kind of um, second guess or any uh, assumption about what the church believes. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, the church will every so often place out a explanation of what why they done that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Have you ever like read? Do you read those frequently? I do, or uh, I do uh, in, in terms of uh, whatever that is made available by the church. So I would strongly encourage 
for those who are interested in, you know, getting to know those information or whatever that they're um, kind of intrigued to know about, I would always strongly recommend that they go to the actual sources that the church puts out. So if you go to the Vatican website, every document, everything that the church believes is made public for free. You don't even have to uh, download it. You don't even have to pay for anything. Everything is available for you. And it is important for us to get to the source of what the church says about her, uh, you know, about her teachings, about what she believes and everything, so that we come from the same ground rather than you know, many different kind of uh, assumptions that people make. Mm-hmm. Um, would you ever say that there's maybe like so, any like, are there any like instances that where you're like, I don't know if I particularly agree with this. And if so, um, what would you recommend people do about that? So, um, well, the church doesn't expect everyone to um, easily agree with everything. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the church doesn't believe that certain truths are not true. Uh, people agreeing to certain truths or not is kind of their, uh, I think, their role to play. Uh, but we, I think, in good faith would say that even if there are things that are not so agreeable right away or things that are not understandable right away, our, you know, from, from our Christian perspective is that we shouldn't just walk away from them because it doesn't work for us, but we have to work towards trying to understand it more deeply because we believe, you know, the church believes very strongly that the church, the Catholic church, has the authority over the matters that are pertaining to moral and faith. So we have that firm faith that the church cannot err in those two categories. Um, Do you have any, like, what is your, like, how do you feel about, like, the church's, like, the, the... I guess uh, the best way I could say this is like popular, like the most common uh, view on the church in the modern day. Uh, do you have any like specific opinions on, on how people see the church? I think um, because of all the scandals and all the things that are going on in the world, I think a lot of people look at the church as uh, manipulative, uh, sometimes even evil. Uh, people would say, that the priests are there just to be kind of authority figure, kind of using other people's goods for their own kind of, you know, benefit. But I mean, that that's kind of the, the, the idea, kind of rough idea that I, that I can think of how the world views the church. Or often, most people don't really know about what the church says or what the church does in, in its truth, like in, in, in its kind of the fullest sense. They often have the, you know, the things that they heard through the media and other sources, which is usually not very accurate. Speaking of faith, throughout the pandemic, I've seen like a slow decline in people's faith in God mm-hmm. in, throughout like different like events mm-hmm. that happened throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice to people going throughout this hardship of losing faith in God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very, very good point a lot of or good question because a lot of people including myself you know had to go through a lot of difficulties and um i think one of the most um i would say the most precious gift that god is trying to give in this time of you know through this time of pandemic is to help us to um 
to be more intentional in our prayer life. I think that would be because people were taken away with the normalcy of going to church freely, you know, not as they, we're, we're not able to go, or, or a lot of people weren't and have not been able to go to church as freely as before. So they were taken that routine away. They, they, they didn't, they, the, the routine of their faith life was taken away. So people had to be very creative in terms of staying connected uh, with others and also, you know, with God. And I always encourage, you know, the faithful to spend some silent time in prayer. And that is really important that a lot of people don't see the value of it. But if you have a crucifix at home or if you have some kind of sign of faith that you can have in your home, uh, have that in, in front of you and just reach out to God. Because God is, you know, I mean, of course, the parishes and church buildings are the clear signs of God's presence for sure. But God is not confined by churches. God can be present anywhere because he's spirit, right? So I always encourage people, even the students at Vancouver College, I always tell them, spend at least like 10 or 15 minutes in silence, in prayer. And a lot of people don't even really try that and kind of say that, oh, it doesn't really work. But I've, I would say, try doing that very faithfully and you'll see the fruit that's coming out of that routine. Yeah. Interesting. And I understand as a priest, your entire, your entire, like your uh, entire thing is to um, te teach others about um, the good news, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but for uh, people that don't feel any calling to the priesthood, um, would, would you say there's, there's any one best way to um, help spread that message, even if you aren't a priest? You mean like about the priesthood or about the faith? Uh, just in general, spreading the word, the word, the news the of the gospel. Faith. Okay. Mm. Um, hmm. Yeah, I would say you know even just like a simple gesture of the sign of the cross in public space, it, it can that can go a long way. And often, uh, I remember just a uh, just just a few days ago, some people um, kind of telling me about the story. Some Christian denomination people, kind of you know, walking around the street, uh, telling people to believe in God. And, you know, if you don't, uh, you, you'll, you'll go to hell or heaven. They, they kind of started talking about those heavy topics already. And she told me, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing to talk about those things with people who don't know about faith or about God. But what would go better than just trying to give, you know, knowledge uh, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of knowledge-only type of faith is that I think uh, to bear witness through through our smaller but concrete gestures of our faith, I would say, like the prayers over before and after meal in, in public settings, uh, just our gentle kind of, you know, uh, gentleness in, in, our, in our conversation to others, some of the things that we can do, you know, like reaching out to the poor uh, in, in a very quiet but faithful manner, um, there are many different smaller ways that we can do. Um, it doesn't have to be kind of the outspoken way, uh, outspoken kind of, you know, uh, you you uh, go and believe, otherwise you'll go to hell type of thing. Uh, I think that would shut people down even more. Like for me personally, my way of evangelization is to wear the cassock, uh, you know, when I come to Vancouver College or when I go to public setting, that I make myself kind of available that way. The people uh, sometimes acknowledge that presence and they want to 
have a, a conversation about their own faith journey. So what are some of the way, uh, your ways that you can kind of you know, be that presence and that sign of Christ to others? I think you can ask yourself that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what would you, is there anything that you find particularly challenging as a priest, especially at um, two different parishes or schools, rather? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a very packed question. I mean, there are so many small challenges that because I'm only two and a half year old priest, so I don't really have answers to everything that I, I am encountering, you know, uh, nowadays. But most challenging thing, hmm, I would say nowadays one of the things that I'm trying to do more is to beautify the liturgy. Uh, beautify our worship service that we do uh, on every Sunday, uh, especially the Sunday Masses, because um, there is a saying, uh, there's a Latin saying, lex orandi, lex credendi. That means the law of prayer is the law of our faith, believing. So if people don't have that proper opportunity or chances to have that very devout and deep spiritual experience of our liturgical worship, people won't be able to have a proper faith. Where we pray well, we naturally come to believe more deeply because that's how God communicates his love most vividly. The Mass is the the place where God is communicating his love, his mercy most vividly. So, that is the most challenging for me because um, nowadays, because uh, you know, a lot of people are not really kind of deeply into kind of the worship service, so to speak. They want to kind of get it done and get over with it and make it shorter, as short as possible, and get over with it, Father. Don't make it too long. Make your homily short. You know that type of thing. But for me, I always try to have enough uh, enough silence, enough reverence and to sing everything. Um, But it is challenging because I'm trying to lead people that way, but a lot of people are not at that level yet. So I I have to be very patient that way. Yeah. Um, What would you say is like, um, how do you, where do you find that patience from? Is it like something that comes from God? Is that something you like? For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Patience, patience, patience. I think one of the saints says, there are three virtues that we need. Patience. Oh, no, sorry. Humility, humility, humility. That's that's what he said. But patience is also one of the things that he he talks about. And patience is one of the key uh, things that I definitely ask God for more. And he does give it to me uh, very often. So thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> that was less of a question for the podcast and more of a personal question. Just yeah. how are you so yeah. patient? That's, that's right. Is there anything that you would like to implement into the bigger picture of your teachings? You mean my ministry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. Like one of the things that I want to improve in my ministry is to preach well. <laughs> which I'm still, I'm constantly working on. And also I'm trying to, I'm trying my best to be, to make my, make make myself present uh, to those who are in need, like Vancouver College students, even though I don't have like 
a like packed schedule here at school uh, most of the time. I try to walk around and make myself present uh, to you to let you know that if you need to talk to someone, talk to me, that I'm there for you, that I'm available for you to reach out to me and talk to. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, you, I noticed that you mentioned that you work at both uh, St. Paul's and Vancouver College. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is there any, like, if you had to... It, um, what, how, if there was a, if you had to describe how the, is, in what ways are like the two different, I suppose, in both terms of like the community, how they receive the faith and so forth? Hmm. Vancouver College and St. Paul's. Hmm. I mean, St. Paul's has only the elementary school level. So I guess the, there's, I think, a lot clearer sense of, being tight together because it's a smaller community, whereas Vancouver College, um, it is it is very tight. The the community is very strong and whatnot. But I would say Vancouver College um, has a very, I mean, also St. Paul's too. But I think the major difference would be just the kind of the what do you call uh, this very. A strong intentionality to form um, the man here to be the witness of faith once they, they graduate from the school. At least I think the real effort is there. And um, I think the culture here at Vancouver College is very, very healthy. I, I consider you students to be in, in a very lucky, very blessed uh, environment. I'm pretty sure you, you guys feel that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Saint, not, not that St. Paul's doesn't have that, but I think Vancouver College, because it's it's got a bigger community and it's all boys. So it's a lot more intense than St. Paul's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Is there any good that you would like to see highlighted in modern media? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think the good uh, that our media... Uh, the media in the world can do is to uh, is is um, I think the very the speed of it first of all and availability and also the the connection that it can make throughout the whole world that it can we can virtually connect with anyone in the world in a matter of seconds nowadays and it's a great gift that you know we have developed uh, so I think we should really use the media to spread the good news as well as possible. And I think a lot of the Catholic media uh, medias are doing that. So thanks be to God. So, yeah. I also have a question about like mass. Uh, considering how uh, most masses went online mm-hmm. for the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, what do you feel like is the difference between what, like how you experience like, going on mass how like before the pandemic started there was like it used to be so lively and full of people in the pews Mm -hmm. but now there's like not many people in the pews but like Mm -hmm. it would be like cut in half because of social distancing Mm -hmm. what what do you think is like the difference and what do you prefer so the major difference is is clear that you know it's either people are there or not that's the major difference (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest, it was very difficult for me at the, at, the, at the first beginning of the pandemic because my first Easter celebration um, uh, as a priest was in an empty church. 
I didn't have anyone in the church. Right. <laughs> it, that was my first Easter celebration. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty sad. But I would say, I think, I guess the uh, the benefit of having that, you know, online mass, people, you know, being able to watch on online, is that you know people who are not really able to come because of their illness and whatever the reasons might be, uh, that they can benefit by joining spiritually, you know. Through their online masses, um, but um, I would very much prefer to have people in the church for sure because um, it is clear that even the bishop Archbishop Michael uh, expressed that um, the church is very clear on this topic that you know without coming to church physically you're not really fulfilling your Sunday obligation. So watching your mass at home is not good enough. And I think at this point, it is pretty safe uh, to come to Mass. People are going to restaurants, malls, no problem. And if they say that coming to Mass is too dangerous, I think they should uh, ask themselves whether their hearts are in the right place. But for me, definitely the difference is that, you know, that I would definitely have more people in the pews rather than not because it just makes everything so as as david man uh, shared it makes it so much more lively than anything else in the world so yeah um now that you have uh the gift of retrospect i guess if you were to um if you were to have a, a more of a say in how uh churches dealt with this pandemic mm-hmm. would you have done anything differently i don't think so uh, because um, it is because because I know that a lot of people were angry about some parishes about you know kind of not allowing people to come to mass because of the government restrictions and whatnot. But I have to say, you know, even Saint Paul says, you know, in one of his letters that government leaders are also the people that that were chosen by God in a way that we as as Christians and also citizens of a country, we have an obligation to adhere to certain rules and certain restrictions given by the government. Now, I, you know, at the beginning, of course, I felt a little bit offended uh, that, you know, why aren't they allowing the church to be open when like a lot of the malls and restaurants were open already? So we can, we can be angry, you know, for, for the unfair parts that we've experienced a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, um, I think right now it's becoming more reasonable uh, and things are opening up a little bit more. So, yes, I think we had we could have uh, we uh, things could have been different, but I don't think there could have been anything that we we could have done differently than what how we've done. I think we've done as best as we could to accommodate the people uh, despite all the challenges. And challenges are healthy, you know, you know, in a sense, because we believe that, you know, God can bring out the best out of the evil situations. And I think, I hope that people have deep enough faith to see as to what God has in store for them uh, by going through this difficult time. That, you know, rather than being angry, rather than kind of feeding the, uh, the, the ang- anger in our heart, we must be patient and we must be persevering to see uh, what God has in store for us. Yeah. 
is there anything that you'd like to see the church like do more to address? Maybe there's a certain like way that you think the church could help out uh, the world as a whole that might be they um, that maybe like for some one reason or another hasn't been you don't think has been addressed fully yet. Mm. I think um, I mean the church is always always uh, making her voice known you know to the world, but the problem is a lot of people don't really. <laughs> find those sources. Um, uh, so I would, for, first of all, I would encourage people to look for more Catholic resources online to get to know those voices that the church is making. But I would say if there was one issue that we could be more outspoken now is I think, um, I think there are two things. I mean, we've always kind of, spoken about it but I think the on on the issue of um, the sexual morality and also on the issues of life which we are the church is very strong uh, in terms of expressing its opinion on but often it's not really well heard and it's not really uh, sought for by the faithful because a lot of people a lot of people don't really want to know about those issues I don't know why, but yeah, maybe they're becoming more lukewarm about their faith, or yeah. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you you, you said two and a half years ago you were uh, first ordained a priest. Yes. Mm-hmm. For any like, what would you recommend for like any like youth to be like doing to like I don't know for anyone uh, any like young people maybe feeling like unsure about their faith, maybe like seeing a bunch of other things and just wondering. If they have like they don't they have uh, less confidence in their faith, mm-hmm. how would you, what would you recommend to those people? Mm. That's a very good question. I would recommend that, however small their faith life becomes, that they never let go of that thread of faith. If that makes any sense to you. That you know, however small their faith gets, uh, you know, because of certain circumstances in their life, or whatever it may be, you know, their family issues or their personal life issues or whatever it may be, don't ever let that one thread of faith or hope that you hold on to, because um, you know, God works in such a mysterious way that as long as we don't let go of that thread that there will be certain doors in your life that will open to you, that will help you um, to lead you to God and in, in a deeper relationship with God. But if you let that go uh, uh, and you kind of just don't think about your faith or don't ask those questions about the faith and certain challenges, um, yeah, God cannot really force his way into your life. You have to be open in some way, searching uh, for the happiness or the joy or whatever you're searching. Make sure you have some room for God, no matter how difficult it is in your life. Yeah. Any listeners out there, um, what would be your advice to people that want to pursue a life of faith and what is that process of becoming someone that like, works in the church? 
what is it like, like the process of getting into it? You mean just as a Catholic faithful? Like you... as like become like a priest or a brother or like a sister or a nun. Oh, like more specifically, like yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, there there is no other ways uh, better. Nothing better than prayer. Prayer is the the place where God really speaks to your heart. Uh, whether you know you're called to this vocation or that vocation. But I would say, you know, if you have any kind of inclination towards a specific vocation, however small it is, try to talk to a priest about it and just ask him for an advice because everyone's journey looks different. My journey looks totally different compared to Father Juan Lucas, uh, the former chaplain. His journey um, and my journey are totally different. And how God called each one of us is very different. So you might want to, so so don't ignore if there is any, even if it's just only a curiosity, don't just let it go, but at least try to ask, uh, ask some questions to a priest um, and he can help you, you know, to, to try certain things or kind of, you know, talk, talk about it and more openly. Uh, and it's nothing to be shy about or shameful about. So, yeah. Um, I suppose this might uh, be the last question of the interview. Mm -hmm. um, but before we do that, I would like to thank you very much for coming mm -hmm. with us. It's been thank a, you, always thank lovely you. to have you. Mm -hmm. um, so you meant, earlier you mentioned your um, past journey, and I think I would like to know a little bit more about that. Yes. Uh, would you <laughs> mind telling me a little bit about your rap career, Father? <laughs> Why didn't I see this coming? <laughs> that was the entire reason. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, like I, I mean, it's it's nothing nothing to be shameful, to be honest, because you know, it's it was, I had a lot of fun doing, it. and um, yeah, a whole bunch of friends, you know, me and I think four others, we were um, very interested in in hip hop music. And I think at the end of high school, we started kind of recording and making different music and whatnot. And once we became, you know, once we were in our 20s, we even kind of went around and performed here and there a little bit. And uh, I have to say, I think I've, I think I've kind of advertised it uh, to, I, I think I made it sound, <laughs> make it, make it look like too much big of a deal as in like that I was like super professionally into it. But I have to say, I have to be very honest with you that I wasn't um, professionally involved in this, but we were doing it as a hobby and it was a very amateur kind of level, but it was pretty intense. We, we were really into it. We were all about it. We would spend so much time together, you know, making music. And it is very unfortunate that I, I cannot find any copy of the music, but I'm desperately looking for it. And yes, I made a promise to some of you, so I saw some of the Vancouver College students that I will rap, you know, for you guys in one day. But you have to remember, this is like 15 or 16 years ago. My tongue is not as flexible as before, as in like when I, when I used to rap. So it's not going to be that good, to be honest. Wait, okay. just, just out of curiosity, what was your stage name? Did stage you, name? Yeah. I, did have, I did have a stage name, but it's very cheesy. 
no, that's all right. That's all right. Let's hear it. So uh, my my stage name was Howler, the oh, one right. who howls. Yo, I can see it. All right. So there you go. Everyone out there. Possible Father Felix album. We don't know when, but it's coming. Yeah. I cannot make a promise, but maybe. All right. Um, so, Father Felix, once again, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank it's you. It's been a delight having you. Likewise. And we'll see you sometime in the future, I hope. Yes, for sure. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Minds Behind the Madness. If you enjoyed this episode, please support us wherever podcasts can be found. Thank you so much, and Semper Fidelis. Semper Fidelis.